broadcasting from the USS Pasteur. This is Politrex. The time directive, the Declaration of Human Rights, the United Federation of Planets, the United Nations, World War II, the Dominion Federation War, the Art of War, the Teachings of Sirach, Jesus Christ, Namaste, Homo sapiens, and welcome to another exciting episode of Polytrex. Uh, we've been gone for a while, but that's kind of what we always say. <laughs> so at this point, you're used to it. We're used to it. Let's just get on with the show. This is your delightful, uh, some people say charming, some people say annoying, co-host with an Indian accent and all the love for all the people everywhere, every time, from all time and all space, uh, Shashank. How's it going, guys? And uh, with me is the often imitated, never replicated Canadian charm machine, Barry DeFort. Barry, how are you, my friend? Hello. And uh, I don't know how to say any any other uh, bit other than, well, hello there. It's nice to be here. And yes, we are back and we are not here. And we are here at the same time. We are the ghost podcast of the Trek Geeks Network. And you know what? It is the way it is. We live in a weird hellscape of craziness and insanity, and uh, Shashank and I have a entertaining, unhinged rant for you all um, that we have pieced together because both of our countries are in turmoil right now. And I'll be honest, the only thing that's keeping the lid on for me are two things, my students and Star Trek, because I go home and I watch Star Trek, and then I go to work and I hang out with my students and I try to make a day of it, and then I go back home and I watch Star Trek again because... That's the only thing that I can do right now. But other than that, how are you, Shashank? I am terrible, uh, but I will be able to get through this podcast. I think, like I was telling you earlier, this is just I'm just going into my reservoir of singing my song while walking to the gallows energy. So I'm keeping up this. The, the reason why I'm all cheery is because I'm this is I'm on my third rock star energy drink. <laughs> Uh, just to keep me awake. And after this, I will drink a bunch of de- decaf coffee so I can go to sleep. So I'm basically just running on energy drink fumes and decaf coffee fumes and Star Trek and playing with my dogs odd and trying not to go crazy. But anyway, so Barry was in the middle of a really interesting argument that I am very excited to hear. So you've read the name of the episode. You know what this is. We're going to talk about diseases in Star Trek, plagues, uh, diseases of the mind, diseases of the body, diseases in time and space. I, I uh, That's the second time I've said that today, but it warrants it because you'll see where we're going with this. But uh, with COVID and as Barry alluded to earlier, both our countries having a terrible time with COVID. We just thought it would. there was never a better time to talk about blueberry lesions and uh, salt addictions and just being naked in time and being naked now and having marks on ourselves so we don't have to we don't have to deal with the population problem just so many things that we have to talk about in star trek but okay barry now has a conspiracy for us that's how he started the sentence which is where <laughs> i interrupted him even before he could tell me what it is but this is barry's covid conspiracy and uh, if any of you have any strong opinions please tweet us on at polytrex P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S. We are very happy to be a proud member of the Trek Geeks Network. Follow them on at Trek Geeks. We are really happy that Fanset sponsors our show. Use discount code Polytrex, P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S to get 10% off your next order. They're making amazing pins. 
fansage.com our pins of character okay i've gotten all that out of the way barry what is your covid conspiracy okay so first of all we have to understand that diseases like smallpox herpes cholera all come from high density meat production right the idea that by coalescing agricultural animals together they do spread disease a lot more efficiently and eventually you do get to the point where diseases can transmit like the h1n1 virus that came from pigs or h5n1 that came from chickens it is readily known that the coronavirus itself is something that shows up in cattle uh, pretty much ubiquitous around the world. Many people I know who are ranchers say that they've been vaccinating their cattle against COVID for a very long time. And of course, that is where this virus came from. Now, originally, as far as we understand, there's bat DNA in it, meaning that it probably came from a bat in a high-density feedlot that was roosting somewhere, and eventually that transmitted over to cows, and then it eventually transmitted over to us. Now, here is what I think probably happened, because as a school teacher, I also notice times when kids get really sick. Here's my guess, and here's my thought. Variants are now the big topic of COVID. And each variant seems to be a step up from the last one, right? You think about uh, when they mentioned the London variant, right? And how dangerous it was. And then there was a South African variant that was very dangerous. And then we heard about the Brazilian variant that was a real, real uh, uh, head, head smasher. And then you see the Indian variant and you just see how absolutely contagious this one is. And it makes me wonder, Maybe the one that we noticed was just the Wuhan variant. In other words, it coalesced in an area with great population, right? High population. It went out and did its thing. But I'm thinking COVID actually did a lap around the earth first uh, before that. And it was a lot less violent and a lot less deadly comparatively. And it's basically just powering up like a Super Saiyan virus and it's getting stronger. And the scariest part about this is the lack of concern that has come from a lot of different leaders in a lot of nations we consider allies. Of course, Donald Trump seemed pretty unconcerned and was telling people to inject bleach in their veins. Um, Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil just referred to it as the flu. Um, and we had a lot of inaction coming from a lot of different nations and their governments typically siding on you know, for the economy and whatever else. And I guess the point here and what my real conspiracy more than anything is, is ranchers got used to COVID with cattle a long time ago. And I worry to some degree, we are just going to have to get used to variants of COVID rocking their way around the earth back and forth for a while. And I'm so happy that so many people uh, that we know, Shashank, have been vaccinated. You yourself have been vaccinated, and I'm very happy about that. I'd say I'm about a month, maybe a month and a half away from getting vaccinated right now because my government, unfortunately, uh, here in Alberta, has not prioritized teachers. Um, they do not believe we are frontline workers, and they do not believe that COVID is transmitted through schools, which we, of course, know is utter garbage. But that's where we're at. So my conspiracy... COVID has actually done a lap around the earth once. It mutated once, got really bad, and now it's mutating and muting again because it's good at that sort of thing. And unfortunately, I think it's going to keep happening. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't even know if that's really a, cons a conspiracy because we are so used to the way people use the term conspiracy that, oh, it must be like a fringe outside 
dinosaurs built the pyramids kind yeah. of level craziness, which I don't think it is. Like that makes total sense to me. A uh, few things to add. And I, I think I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. So, and, and that's basically why I say it's conspiracy, right? I'm not a scientist. I'm not, I'm not a specialist there. Wow. I think that's the first time in history a white male has accepted the possibility of being wrong. <laughs> way to go, Barry. Well done. That's that's progress, my friend. Uh, so for everybody listening who is really sense that was a joke. I'm making a joke. My God. No, there's actually a lot of white men who need to swallow their their bloody pride and start protecting the people they've been charged to to protect. Uh, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> anyway. A few things to add there. You're right. They're variants. They're also now being called mutations because that is technically what they are. Uh, mm-hmm. And everybody who remembers X-Men growing up, the reason why they're called mutations is because as we keep building medications and ways to spread immunity, the viruses are, it's like the Borg, which is the perfect metaphor for uh, the COVID virus is they absorb whatever attack they got and then they build it into their DNA so everybody gets it in their virus strain, and then they mutate to be stronger against it. And in India right now, we have the triple mutation that is going on. So, uh, no, and that is not, I don't even know if that's a crazy conspiracy theory. Like, when you were saying those things, it was something that I connected that might seem disparate and not, not really something that you think of as uh, being the one, the one and the same at first. But if you think about most of the food products around the world that get recalled, right, for getting salmonella in them, if that's one that's common for dogs, is if you have salmonella in a food product, they recall it and they say, hey, we can't sell it, take it off the shelves, burn it, like do something to it. And uh, there are really these very strange diseases that dogs, cats, generally most pet foods, but also a lot of times human food uh, that goes into frozen food products, they also get recalled because of risks of different kinds of diseases. I bet you, I don't have the facts for it in front of me, but from my memory of reading about these things over and over, most, if not all of them, are food products that contain meat in them. I've never, somebody, my, my Twitter is at gutter underscore hero. If there is a frozen bag of peas that was recalled for having salmonella, send that to me. I will, in our next episode, say I stand corrected. But Which we'll be releasing in December of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, again, I'm not just saying that because Barry and I are both vegan. We don't eat meat. We don't eat dairy. Uh, I am saying it as a scientific observation, meat is starting to be the problem. And people thinking that it's okay to eat animals seems to continue to just make this problem bigger. I read somewhere that a lot of people in China started going vegan after what happened with COVID because they are just, and there are places now where dogs are not allowed to be eaten anymore in China. Uh, And so the, there is some kind of a change coming. It's still the largest consumer of pork in the world. And that's after swine flu. Maybe swine flu had been like a COVID-19 level incident. Probably that would have been different. It but... almost was. It almost yeah. was. I think, yeah. I think that's the thing is, you know, I mean, for me, obviously, I would say more so than than just the consumption of meat. And, and you know, to honor um, different indigenous cultures who do have meat in their diet, I would, I would sort of 
back away and stay out of that lane myself. But um, I think that the way in which we consume meat in these high density lots in these uh, high pro- high output um, manners is is so incredibly unsustainable. And this unfortunately is one of the out like one of the outcomes, right? Like eating meat, I don't say is objectively bad in sort of like a human history sort of thing. And 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 maybe I'm throat clearing too much here, but but yeah, I do think that really what this boils down to is is we are doing things at an unsustainable rate and the quality of life of animals in these high density feedlots. Like if, if a virus like coronavirus and it has in the past come from this flus have come from, from those places. Um, the transmission of many diseases have come from, from this in human history. Oh yeah. I wanted to also mention, I believe HIV came from a chimpanzee, right? I have no idea. And, and again, I, I mean, yes, we could we could look up look it up on Google. But honestly, what I would say more than anything, in the bottom line here is is we need to be better neighbors with the other animals on this planet. And I know that sounds sort of like you know, oh, hippy dippy kind of thing. But the idea that we share a planet with a lot of animals, <laughs> and this is this is affecting them and their quality of life. The extinction rate is going up. We are still staring down the barrel of runaway climate change. And we've got like under 30 years at this point. Um, the idea that we are now unable, you know, and, and really and seriously, uh, Shashank, and before we get into talking about Star Trek, and I promise we will, um, I mean, the choice in India to have reduced, uh, to, to, to have lowered the restrictions as it is here in Canada, where I live, at least in the prairie provinces, um, to keep the restrictions low is a political choice. And those political choices have now cost the lives of, in your country, like hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, and in mine, uh, in my province alone, um, we are coming up on 2,100 people in a, in a province of, of no more than like, I think 4 million. Um, and, and the positivity rate, at least where I'm at is up, is upwards of 14%, whereas the poverty, or sorry, the poverty, the uh, positivity rate in my province is around 10% right now, which again is overloading our ICUs. Uh, it's even worse in Ontario right now. We're about two weeks behind them. So it's a political choice as well. I think that we need to, we need to say out loud right now that, that people don't have to die, um, or even be infected from this sickness. It really comes down to what we prioritize. It also is a disease that is really indiscriminate of the environment. Yeah. If you look at Canada, everybody, one thing that's synonymous when people talk about Canada is the healthcare. Like everybody is <laughs> envious of the healthcare. They say, oh yeah. my God, it's amazing. Like it's the, it's the thing that we should all be aspiring to. USA learn from Canada. Like every country blank learn from Canada. Look at their healthcare and look at where you guys are. Yeah, well, that's because we focus on a thing called just-in-time service. And so basically what it means is we have gotten to the point where we have contracted out a lot of the periphery. So your laundry service isn't public. Your uh, medical supply service isn't public. It's private. It's contracted out. And they're not going to stockpile because that's not going to make them a lot of money. So a lot of what we have here in Canada is the idea that you can walk in and get help in normal conditions. But the infrastructure is all based on very just-in-time kind of stuff. It's not, it's not designed to have any slack in it whatsoever. And so there's no slack to be picked up when 
you know, say ICUs balloon in a, in a pandemic like this. So as much as Canada talks a big game about its public health care, a lot of provinces have done a lot to hobble that and turn it into sort of a sort of a, a front facing facade of, of health care when really, I mean, if I need to get my teeth looked at, my eyes looked at, I got to pay for that just like you. And I need insurance for that just like you. Uh, it really is just medicine based around like immediate health. I mean, even an ambulance ride will cost me money uh, if I don't have health care, uh, like some kind of health insurance. Canada is really good at just shutting up, right? I mean, we our, our reserve system was, was what inspired the apartheid system. Uh, and we just shut up about that. Um, same idea, right? It's, it's that idea that, that like, Canada kind of gets away with a lot. And I think this is a really good opportunity for people to see things for what they are here. And that, that we as a country need to kind of get outside of this frontier, this frontier mentality and start taking care of each other. On the other side, you have India, which is where the healthcare is literally don't get sick or bye-bye. Like that's yeah. our healthcare. Uh, as a survivor of malaria, cholera, uh, chicken pox twice. I'm really proud of that one. <laughs> uh, someone who survived smallpox because, or managed to avoid smallpox because I, my parents were good enough to get me a smallpox vaccination. For those of you who cannot see, I'm showing Barry my. Yeah, I see it. Uh, vaccination my have those too. Uh, it's a smallpox vaccination dent, and I was born in '92, so we had smallpox. I believe our last case of smallpox was in 2014. So people are dying in our country, even in the 21st century of smallpox. It's been eradicated at this point, though, hasn't it? No, it has. Yes. But yeah. we had it in 2014. Uh, that was when we had our last case. And that's when they were able to eliminate it. Anyway, all that to say, like, it's a hotbed of diseases. And of course, a place like that is where COVID-19 goes to have a buffet. Yeah. It's, you know? it's such a high population density. Yeah. And... Uh, so, so much going on there that we just realized we had to talk about. We'll bring this back to Star Trek. Star Trek, of course, is a show well known for tackling a lot of real world issues. And diseases in Star Trek have, a, have an interesting place. Uh, before we get into some of the specifics, Barry, I wanted to share some thoughts with you that I had uh, while I was doing my research for this episode. Uh, like with everything else, can we agree that the diseases that are used in Star Trek episodes in some couple of the movies, they're really used more as a metaphor, like with everything else, right? It's yeah. never a, hey, this disease is blank. Let's go fire it and show off how cool Kirk is with his guns and his half-tone captain shirt. It's never that. It's always a metaphor about humanity, about the state of our people, about who we are as a society, which is that's at this point, that's like calling water wet. Like that's what Star Trek is about. But I also, I really enjoyed that. They never, they didn't leave any stone unturned, even when it came to the diseases and uh, 1966. So four episodes in is when naked time happens. So they're already ready to go. When they came up with the show, they realized, Hey, we need to talk about diseases. And 1966 was a, it was not as, we didn't have as many diseases. People were in a generally better place as a society, especially in America, because that was... Well, antibiotics were, yeah. were, were really hitting, hitting a high stride at that point. And yeah, I mean, there was a lot of faith in the idea that antibiotics could um, 
could really, really do a lot of good. And, and really what has happened with antibiotics, right? I mean, now we have antibiotic resistant forms of tuberculosis and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point that, that, you know, Star Trek has never looked at disease as something that they have to fight, like as an episode arc or something. And that's it is fighting the disease. It's always metaphorical. One thing I found, um, was the amount of disease-based shows, the disease episodes. I never, I never really thought of it. So like, honestly, we could probably do a couple episodes on this because I don't want to just sort of do a vast and quick survey. That's what Wikipedia and Memory Alpha is for. But I will say a, a lot of my information, and I want to give a shout out and, and all that sort of stuff, and we'll make sure there's a link in the description, but um, a, a quaint little website called Real Rundown back in March of uh, 2020, just as things were really kicking off, um, they did a, 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 a Heidi uh, Thorne, uh, the author, did a Star Trek episodes about viruses, epidemics, and pandemics. And so that kind of gave me the basis of the research that I'm... Uh, yeah, really helpful article. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So I really, I really appreciated that. And, and I would recommend anyone, you know, to have a look at that uh, as well, just to acknowledge our source uh, in this respect. But uh, yeah, there's a lot and there's a lot of metaphor. And so I think that's how we are going to end up doing this is we're going to talk about those episodes, kind of the ones we picked, and then from there, use the metaphor to talk about now and COVID and any metaphorical connections uh, that might, uh, that might exist. So what, were, what were your first uh, episodes? What, what were some? What was an episode you picked? Sorry, I'm waiting for it. Zod is as much of a host as we are. So honestly, he's a part of this. Yeah, he's just he's just part of the background noise. Hey, speaking of Zod, I also wanted to mention before we get into like more of the episodes. One point from our previous discussion: COVID nineteen has not really had a significant effect on animals. Non-human animals, right? Um, I mean, outside of like, like I said, livestock, there is a there is a coronavirus that that affects different mammals, right? Like different coronaviruses will will be tuned to different mammals that they infect. Like bats um, actually have a very robust immune system and stuff like that. But as far as I have seen and heard, no transmission of COVID has gone to say a domesticated pet of any kind, as far as yeah. I understand. Yeah. It's uh, which I'm very thankful for. I don't know. It could it could just be. It's it's also almost to the almost like to the to the century mark of when we had influenza and what people call the Spanish flu. It's a horrible way to call it. Oh, yeah. But well, and there was anti-maskers then too, right? Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I believe it was, or Philadelphia. I can't remember. Had a huge anti-mask rally, and then they had some big outbreak problems, uh, which sucks. Like this is not. Uh, this is not abnormal behavior for people to be in denial like this and to be as acting this way. There's actually a YouTube video that I can't remember. It's like how to lose hope or something. It's a leftist pod uh, YouTuber. So take it with a grain of salt. But basically he reads um, Albert Camus' The Plague, which is about the plague that hits um, Algiers um, in sort of like the mid 20th century. And it's actually a sort of a take on how a country can also de descend into fascism uh, as well. Right. Um, there's a lot of similar denials and stuff like that that takes place. And I think we're all grieving right now, too, as as a species. Um, this has been a huge effect. So, yeah, there's some parallels um, 
pretty much all over the place. And I'm really happy that my dog won't get COVID. Uh, yeah, same here. I like that, that kind of numbering systems, those things, when those patterns emerge, I go into a little bit of that conspiracy theory mode where I think, Hey, maybe this is just nature's way of telling us we need to, it was like the whales in the voyage home. Like you can do whatever you want, but they're going to be here. And so you better figure out a way to get down to your knees and submit to the the will of mother well, nature. It, this is, it's, it's a metaphorical lesson, right? I mean, as much as this yeah. is um, existential for a lot of people and, and my heart goes out, especially to the vulnerable, the unhoused, um, you know, minorities, people of color, people who are living in precarity, who, you know, might lose their jobs. Maybe they won't get COVID, right? But, but they could lose their job. They could lose their livelihood. Um, people who are getting into car crashes right now and need an ICU and, ICUs are overloaded, right? And my heart goes out to those people. So um, I'm going to start. You mentioned the naked time. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, just one more thing. Uh, you you were talking about anti-maskers. One of the things that brought me great joy last week is uh, I, I got to see a picture of Elvis Presley in 1956 taking the polio vaccine. Nice. Uh, and it's a really cool photograph of a health commissioner giving Elvis the vaccine. And he says, I feel great please go out and take the polio vaccine. Now, I'm not in any way trying to diminish the, the terrible nature of COVID, but polio has much more vivid, noticeable symptoms. Yeah. Like flu, and for a lot of people, it's flu and dizziness and vomiting and uh, problem with sleep and stuff, which is a lot more bearable as a human being than pre-grown arms your limbs being twisted into themselves, uh, not having the ability to move your neck, you know, which is just, so this anti-vaccine, anti-masker sentiment has been around for a long, long yeah. time. Anyway, yeah, no, go for it, Barry. Go first, talk about uh, the disease. Can I give a little bit of context as to what's going on in India as well? I remember you mentioned what was going on in Canada. I, I, right, yeah, let's do that first and then we'll we'll get it. We'll finally get into start. <laughs> so what what is happening? No, seriously, because I've, I mean, hearing the word 300,000 cases in one day, um, when I heard that, Shashank, like, God dang, what is happening? Like, how did this, how did this come to be? Like what, what, what's going on? Okay. So uh, if anybody has been watching world news in general, we are recording this in the last week of April, uh, closer to the middle of the week. And it's just the, one of the biggest COVID related news topics is that cases in India are going crazy. People are dying. Uh, just to give you some context, uh, most of India's population is Hindus. And in our culture, we burn our bodies when people pass away. They call it cremation. Uh, there are people are running out of places to cremate bodies. That's how quickly people are dying from this disease. Uh, India has a. Well, they're dying in their own homes at this point. They're not even getting to the hospital. This is correct. Uh, so the way the, the way things are going is it's fast. Uh, there is no immediate solution and there is no place to even respectfully bury someone's body. So if, if somebody who's 75 years old gets COVID, uh, one crisis that we are having to deal with immediately is there are no hospital beds. There is literally no more hospitals left. Uh, people are bringing in pe uh, doctors in training, medical students, so they can build some kind of a makeshift hospital 
and help out as many people as they can in their neighborhoods. That's one of the things that's happening. Uh, and if you are fortunate enough to get to a hospital, there are no more oxygen reserves left. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, one of the things that people talked about often back when COVID started is that shortness of breath and the difficulty to breathe is a big symptom of COVID and it gets worse as you go. So social media has been lit up on fire with uh, requests from patients in India. Uh, and it's a very weird picture that is difficult to take in. It's people taking pictures of their relatives' oxygen tank readings showing, hey, it's only at 53% and this is the last tank of oxygen. Please send us some oxygen. Jeez. And they are tagging their local hospitals. Some people are tagging celebrities, like whatever they can do to get people help. And uh, as Barry said, we are currently at a single highest day record of cases that are being registered. 330,000 was the highest. And then uh, yesterday we even beat that record. So the number is just going up. Uh, pictures are coming out of a lot of people are who are treating people with COVID are now just wearing hazmat suits. Uh, mm -hmm. So if if you remember during the pandemic, we read a lot of stories about people having to wear the masks all day in hospitals and wearing face shields. Now imagine having the trauma of wearing a hazmat suit all day in a country that is known for that when people want to describe a hot summer, they use our country's name and they call it that summer, that kind of summer. Mm -hmm. So imagine doing that in that kind of heat and still failing to stop people from dying at such an alarming rate. So we have gone back into lockdown in most places. Everything has been shut down again. Uh, but we'll talk about this more as we get through the show. Uh, but the, the way we got here is it started looking good a few months ago and we let our guard down to the point where people just started going to. Now, if you think about a country whose population is 1 billion, 1.1, 1.2 billion is the act, like the number that's closest uh, to what we have, when you go from a lockdown, that's three or four times the amount of people that are ready to go out and have fun in India. And having fun in India is attending weddings with 5,000 people, going to a political rally with 16, 17,000 people, and then going back to where you are. So the way it spread was so fast and so furious that it just started wiping people out like a scythe. And we, of course, let our guard down. People went back to living life pre-pandemic style. Uh, vaccines are not getting there quickly enough. And so it's, uh, and on top of it, almost all political parties in power, as soon as things started getting better, urged people to go out and start spending their money and time and get back together. And it was just... It was like they were being herded to their deaths, a lot of these people, because they believed a leader on the top. They believed the local government when they said things are getting better without stopping and focusing on the science. To a point where a few weeks ago, my parents, who were both in their late 50s, so still not in the immediate group, were able to get their vaccines because people were just saying, hey, I don't need to take this vaccine. Like it's not it's not something that is that important to me, you know? So my parents were able to go get their first shot. And immediately after that, these numbers started rising to a point where now it's at a triple mutation virus stage. The whole country is a quarantine zone. There are no places left in my country to burn our dead people's bodies. So with that, let's talk about diseases in Star Trek. 
<laughs> and and I mean, you know, the, I wonder. Part of me wonders if Discovery is going to try to cover this in in future stories, right? To to try to to try to help, you know, us kind of as in the Trek fandom to to process this. Just to bring in some levity, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you some names, and I want you to take a stab. These are names of real conditions or diseases in Star Trek. I said real disease okay. or, or conditions from a fictional show. And I get the the silliness of saying that, the paradoxical nature of it. But I'm just going to throw some names at you and tell me, like, give me what you know about it and we'll we'll go from there, okay? Oh. Okay, I'm bad at this. Oh, no, no, no. You'll do good. You'll do good. Okay. Do you remember what transporter psychosis is? Kind of. Okay. Hit me. Scrambles your brain, doesn't it? It like it like makes you not have the right connections or something. Do you remember which show we saw it in? No, not at all. Okay, uh, it was a it was a TNG episode called The Realm of Fear. And oh gosh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, that's uh, Barclay, and he saw the little the little things biting at him. That is correct. Uh, yeah, uh, good. Well done. Well done. Okay, now little puppets. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you remember what the morphogenic virus is? Is that what made the Klingons' heads change? Uh, I need you to be more specific. It was an enterprise, and it, and it's why the the Klingons have the smooth heads for a period of time, and they they try to retcon TOS Klingons. Is that it? Uh, now I remember it from DS Nine. Uh, and let's go to memory alpha for that one. They say it was the it was a degenerative disease created by the Rogue Federation <laughs> Agency Section Thirty One mm. as a means that to... was to get the the changelings. Yes. That was yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm got I got that mixed up. Yeah. That's what uh, Odo uh, Odo. That is correct. Was, yeah. Was Odo has it, had. and yeah. he's he's kind of injected yeah. with it. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, I'll do one more. Okay. Do you remember what the intron virus is, Barry? The what? The intron virus. I-N-T-R-O-N virus. Intron. Was that the uh, nanoprobes that we're replicating in the enterprise's systems? Uh, again, give me more. Give me more. I can't remember the rest. They, they, they were changing something to do with the ship. And I can't remember. I just remember seeing them like moving around on the circuit board or something like that. And Data was talking about it. Okay, so the intron, the intron virus is also Barclay's protomorphosis syndrome. Darn it! Ah, I missed it. Oh, it's that, the that was wrong. Yeah, it's the one from that was created. It was accidentally created by Beverly. You remember that episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, but anyway, no, that, these are good guesses. I just wanted to throw some levity in there. Hopefully our listeners, when they're listening, are much cooler than you and I are. Of course, I had to look all these up. The only one I did know was the morphogenic virus. It was just because ah. I think uh, uh, Bashir says it like very poignantly. So that's one of those I remember. But now you go for it. So what's the first one you want to talk about? And maybe we'll keep it to like three or four for this episode and maybe come back and do another one. We'll, we'll see. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, not doing a, I'm not doing a ton. I want to I talk about Naked Time and Naked Now first. And I think that more so than necessarily the virus... Um, causing people to go crazy is that viruses cause people to go crazy. And if you know what I mean in that respect, it's that in the naked time and naked now, catching the virus makes you lose your inhibitions, all that sort of stuff, right? What I have found among people dealing with COVID isn't that the virus makes you do that. It is the 
inadequate or inaccurate or incomplete restrictions that we find ourselves under, especially in my province, where you can go to a restaurant and sit down and take off your mask, um, which is weird. Um, and then, you know, you've got frontline people who are in very precarious situations where they have to tell people to wear their masks and these people launch on them, right? You know, you've heard, you've probably seen, you know, people at grocery stores or something just getting shrieked at by some privileged person who feels they don't need to wear a mask and it, it makes them kind of nuts. I know, of course, it's a lot more charming watching Mr. Sulu march down a, a hallway with a fencing sword or Beverly Crusher, you know, kind of showing that maybe she's interested in Jean-Luc to some degree. But this kind of of out-of-character behavior and seeing other other sides of people, I think, is a really interesting metaphor to what COVID has done. I know that in some cases I have friends and, and, and acquaintances and even relatives who don't agree that COVID is an issue, that it might even be some kind of great conspiracy of some crazy one world government to put 5G in our veins and make us all communists or something like that. But also it is this idea that in a plague situation, you do see different dimensions of people. You see people change and you see people uh, in this new context. And that can be something that can never really go back in some cases. So I think that the naked time and naked now, though, of course, they are more a, a pretext to metaphoricalize the deep down under in you know deep seated elements of a person. I think that actual pandemics, sociologically speaking, can actually do that. So I don't know if you've looked at it that way, but the idea that the naked time and naked now, the disease makes you crazy because that's a symptom. But what I'm saying is, is COVID pandemics like this make you crazy, and it's a social symptom. Yeah, that is a that's a very interesting way to look at it. Uh, it's interesting how even inhibitions are treated by society in general. Uh, yeah, taboos yeah, and like, stuff, right? Like coughing, coughing is the new farting. <laughs> uh, and no, that it like it, it was weird. Somebody a couple of weeks ago, was, they put their hand out to shake mine, and something I would have done without even thinking about a year ago. Now I just mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to touch that person. Like it was a, it was, it was something that took me a second to register, but also that happened to me today. Yeah, I had to, there was a, there was an interaction I had with an individual and it was our first meeting and they totally went for the putter there. And yeah. I looked at their hand and was like, it was nice meeting yeah. you. And it was, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also inhibitions in general, like, especially with, I believe it's naked. Is, is it naked now in which, uh, 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 Data has his encounter, let's just call it. Yes. Uh, and it's, it. I mean, uh, probably for the late 80s, it was considered taboo. But now there is an entire million dollar, multi-million dollar show about a woman in love with a robot, right? So yeah. you see how times change with inhibitions? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's the worst thing that people's inhibitions get opened up when they get a virus. Uh, like. I mean, that's what alcohol is, right? It loosens people up and lets them uh, release their, lets them let their guard down, of course, in a much more controlled yeah. environment. But it's when those inhibitions turn to Sulu bringing a fencing sport out, right? That's yeah. when it gets uh, really tricky. Uh, I also really like uh, toward the end of Naked Time is when, is it, I think it's the end of Naked Time where Nurse Chapel tells Spock she loves him. 
So <laughs> there are so many things happening in both episodes that are just, there is so much plot, a lot of good storytelling that's happening, especially with naked time for, again, it's the fourth episode. So they were ready to go with yeah. diseases. Uh, and I, I enjoyed well, exploration. Exploration causes disease, right? I mean, that's why indigenous people on, on the continent we live on, you know, were, were reduced by the, by the tens of millions uh, by a virus to smallpox. Yeah. Smallpox, tuberculosis. Um, you know, there was a, a multitude of, of sicknesses that were just not a thing here um, just due to a number of material conditions and circumstances. There was also biological uh, warfare. Uh, albeit, yeah, smallpox yeah, infected blankets because that's, were used. that's the way they, they figured out how to get to these people. And uh, well, that actually kind of works for my next uh, one. So I'm just going to jump right in and, and totally step over yeah. you because that's a really great segue. Mark of Gideon is the other one. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's one that I never really thought of at all. And, I, and, you know, total shout out to uh, the author of the article, um, Heidi, uh, Heidi Thorne. Hey, Heidi, I'm how's it going? Just, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, you you've really done a, a a very good job here, and just want to give a shout out to to that. So, what is said here in terms of Mark of Gideon, and I'm just going to read exactly what's said in the article, and I I definitely go check it out. The planet Gideon wants to become part of the Federation of Planets. The Enterprise is dispatched there on a diplomatic effort, usual sort of thing. The leaders of Gideon create an elaborate scheme to abduct abduct Kurt for a very unusual reason. Apparently, due to a germ-free environment, Gideon's people have a high regenerative capability and live extremely long lives. As well, they believe that all life is sacred and reject <clears throat> and reject using birth control. These forces have created an overpopulated planet where almost no one can physically move about due to overcrowding. Gideon's leader know that Kirk suffered a bout of a nearly fatal meningitis. They hope he can infect at least one of their people so it spreads through the population, shortening their lives and reducing overpopulation. Smallpox infested or infected blankets were used to reduce the population of an indigenous people, and it was coordinated in its way. I don't think that um, this is terribly outside of the realm of reality. Obviously, we have historical precedent for it. And I want to say this right now. I do not think that there is any one world government great conspiracy going on. But I do think that the COVID virus has opened up an opportunity for the ruling class, especially to be able to allow sort of a kind of low key call of those who are who are vulnerable, those who are living in precarity, those who are in sort of a reserve um, form of labor, that they're just no longer a problem. We talked about the Canadian healthcare system, and it is is uh, taxed by people who are vulnerable. My brother was one of them, right? My brother Kent had to um, prove that he was disabled every year to get his uh, his health funding um, from the assistance that my province offers. And I will say, and this is a very callous thing, but honestly, now that we are verging on 2,100 deaths in my province, that must be an acceptable loss because nothing has been done. There have been no meaningful restrictions whatsoever. And so this, this episode, especially uh, the callous nature uh, and though they value life, it's this sort of hands-off approach that, Oh, if we just allow this to happen, this, this, this virus will just do some work for us. Right. Guns, germs, and steel talks about it, right? It's a, a, a book that you can read uh, about this whole idea that, that disease is convenient 
at times. And to not do anything is also a choice. And to allow things to happen like this is a choice. And at this point, the deaths in my province specifically, and I would say, and though I don't know if I have the authority to, maybe you can speak to this, the deaths in India at this point are political. And it's a political choice to see this sort of uh, resurgence of the virus in both of our uh, homes. I mean, it's like Stalin said, right? One death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. And you know what he said that about? The Indian famine when he was sending grain to India because Churchill wouldn't. Mm -hmm. He said the paperwork can wait. The grain cannot. One death is a tragedy and a million deaths is a a statistic. He knew. Uh, in that respect. Uh, also, something that happened like close to 100 years ago, not quite, but just uh, numbers and patterns. But yeah, no, there is a certain coldness and a, a sense of doom and gloom that has just set into a point where like death is almost becoming irrelevant or almost like it's a it's a side effect to what's happening. It's a matter of fact sort of thing. It's very similar, I think, to what ancestors of both yours and mine had to endure in the trenches of the First World War, right? Yeah. Pushed straight into a chainsaw for no other reason than some cousins couldn't figure it out. Especially with an episode like the Mark of Gideon, the way the the people on the planet put it so mad, they also put it so matter of factly. Like they say, Exactly. They, it's not. It's not an emotional loss to them. It's not something yeah. that they're considering because it's weighing heavily on them, and there isn't even a moral compass to it. It's much more like a hey, two plus two is four. So why don't you just add that two and this two and make it four? Well, it explains a lot because, like, my premier currently is talking about the concept of a natural immunity. He keeps saying, which of course is the idea of herd immunity. And to understand herd immunity, it's the idea that enough people have suffered and died from this that they are no longer affected by it because they've made it through the other side. But at what cost, right? And I think that's the thing that Mark Gideon asks: is what what are we willing to what price are we willing to pay for for the convenient lives that we lead still? And I think people going back, like you said, with people in India going back to quote unquote normal, I just don't think there's a normal anymore. I don't think we can go back to that, and we can nostalgify it as much as we want, but it's it's not that way anymore. COVID's a part of us, and we've got to start managing it properly. And Trump ran on the concept of herd immunity. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the entire Republican Party, again, it's easy to forget these things because so many of them are happening in such little time that the brain just stops registering things. But at the time, they were saying, no, we'll just all get better magically. He started with it'll magically go away, right? Like he made that hand motion where it's like a, a parabola. Yeah. <laughs> and then that went, it went from that, you know, it's just, it'll just get better. Like people, we'll get to herd immunity. And even a week before the actual election, his entire plan was like, oh, there's a plan. Like, there's a beautiful plan. It's big and it's beautiful. And it's going to, we're going to see what happens. Like, you're all going to see it. And we are going to see, like, I mean, the guy was saying inject bleach to people. And people did it and people died yeah. from it. So yeah. uh, it's almost like it, it, it became something of a whimsy. It was like we're playing the chess of death with the with this disease, right? Like, how many ways will I go to find out how to die from it? Something similar happened in Brazil. Of course, there wasn't yeah. a comedic element to it, like with Trump, but their guy was just rejecting yeah. that it was happening. And 
their cases kept skyrocketing and they're still skyrocketing. I think they're second in the world and India is right now the first as far as cases go. So, uh, yeah. well, Jair Bolsonaro, while while he's letting his people suffer and languish in this disease, he's also burning down the Amazon right now, too. Um, the guy's a fascist. And yeah, I guess the the, the diplomacy that exists in all of this, and I'm just going to rattle off my third episode, and then we're going to do yours after yeah. this. The diplomacy around around how we even manage this has become such a problem. And that obviously reminds me of symbiosis, right? The TNG episode where they're they're working on this vaccine that it, that turns out that it's actually a, a, it's like an opiate, right? They're using it to, to defend, or not to defend it, to uh, control this completely other, this other society. And Picard figures it out that these two societies working together, one is just taking advantage of them with you know the concept of a medicine or something like that that um, that they're supposed to be getting, but it's actually not not actually the thing, right? It's not actually an actual uh, issue. And again, I'm going to read really quick here: the Enterprise attempts to assist troubled uh, Onarian freighter <clears throat> with a truly incompetent crew. The freighter's crew crew's uh, main co- concern is their cargo of drugs to cure their planet's people. The drugs are very expensive, and as the Enterprise doctor discovers, narcotic. Um, in the distant past, the Ornarian planet was ravaged by a plague. The neighboring planet Breca supplies Ornarians with a narcotic drug that cured the plague. In exchange, the Ornarians provided Breca with everything they needed for daily life, but the plague no longer exists. Only the Ornarians' addiction to the drug does. Breccans know this and have enslaved the Ornarians into a life of addiction and servitude. Where I'm going with this is Bill Gates. His intellectual property rights nonsense is costing people their lives, right? In this respect, if we do not allow for the generic uh, creation of vaccines outside of intellectual property, we are going to be living with this virus for a lot longer. And that there are people who will fight for their own personal interests over the the good of a great deal of other people. I mean, obviously goes outside of our own ideals in Star Trek of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And I see symbiosis very much as that, that we have a vaccine diplomacy taking place. We have deals being cut. And what is being what, what the cost of that is, is human life. And you, like you said, very matter of fact, right? Well, yeah, people are going to die because I won't let go of the thing that has been making me my money. Uh, and I and I can't suffer losing any of that money whatsoever, even though there's absolutely no way a guy like Bill Gates is going to be able to spend all that money. Um, <clears throat> and so I have a problem with that. I have a massive problem. And that cuts down also to this concept of overpopulation as well, right? You get people like Richard Attenborough or Jane Goodall saying that we're overpopulated, we're overpopulated. Well, what they're actually saying is the global south is bouncing back finally, right? After having its resources ravaged for the last couple of centuries, um, people are getting back up on their feet and their population is going up. And that's not a problem because there is actually enough food. There's enough resources to go around currently. It's the concentration of wealth that's the problem. And once again, those people who have the concentration of wealth are withholding vaccines from other nations that cannot afford their patents. And honestly, that's a load of garbage. People's lives matter more than some patent right. And it's ridiculous that we are in this situation. And symbiosis was a very good metaphor for that. And it ties in very well to uh, to right now. And also, uh, something I was thinking about while doing the research for the episode in connecting things to India is 
if this was an india that was pre east india company uh, or the colonization by the british yeah. in which they came and just ravaged us for everything and took all the wealth that we had yeah i mean i'm not engineered exaggerating a number of five famines too engineered a number to, of famines yeah uh engineer death destruction uh mass chaos de- sprouted uh religious wars which is which was which led to the india pakistan divide yeah. you know which they took advantage of to continue controlling our country for for a lot. yeah the, the british suck man uh, <laughs> not our not the not our listeners uh, listening but the the british empire horrible people monsters but i'm not exaggerating india had wakanda levels of wealth before the british came absolutely uh, before the uh, the british empire came so had covid hit an india that was pre east india company we would never be in the position we were we'd probably be like new zealand uh, which was just which dealt for it for a few months and now they're back to living like covid doesn't exist or vietnam uh, or yeah just it, and also speaking more to that you know benefiting off of diseases uh, i read somewhere uh, actually i even pulled up the article that billionaires got 54% richer during the pandemic yeah and between march 18th 2020 and march 18th 2021 the wealth held by the world's billionaires jumped from 8.04 trillion dollars to 12.39 trillion dollars and amazon.com founder jeff bezos the world's wealthiest person saw his fortune soar to 178 billion from 113 billion or 57% during that time so people can call it whatever they want to call it but that's them benefiting off of people dying absolutely right? we are uh, once in a century once in a lifetime a uh, plague uh, a situation in which death is imminent disease is imminent populations being culled and you have an entire section of the population that is amassing more and more wealth which equates power you know and meanwhile no place to burn bodies i mean i it is that thing just keeps sitting with me man it's a it's a like a a 10 feet by like really like 5 6 feet space for in a crematorium to burn a body in india yeah. because that's just about the amount of space and you just need to layer rows of bricks on it so the bricks can sustain the heat and then you can take the ashes and like that place is not there while this is happening and it's just <laughs> uh anyway uh yeah no the symbiosis is a really good episode kind of underrated i think people don't talk about it that yeah. much and i mean cuz it comes out of what season 2 or something like that and i think that was mentioned yeah. maybe by bill and dan just recently i can't remember but <laughs> those guys we were having i mean i guess in an episode about diseases you kind of have to talk yeah. about <laughs> so what were your episodes we just we just launched uh, it online well Yeah no we we went through a few of those like naked time naked now uh, also mark of gideon to an extent i really wanted to the one that i wanted to talk about um that specifically stuck with me uh was much more like the diseases as a concept uh i mean deep space nine came out mid 90s went through late 90s when there are a lot of drug issues mm-hmm. that were happening in the society and they used the gem hadar and their dependency on their drug to keep themselves going as mm-hmm. such a good metaphor oh yeah it's not a disease in the traditional sense 
but it's another situation orchestrated by the rich yeah or the powerful uh, to control uh, an entire race of people and now i'm not leftist but that's uh, the the that's the the narrative there uh, with the dominion and the jamhadar mm-hmm. and there are episodes in which uh, our heroes have to confront these people and they have to make these life or death decisions for the jamhadar yeah because their disease has has gotten so bad they can't think for themselves right like that uh, incredible episode the name escapes me but it's the episode in which uh, uh, o'brien has to o'brien and bashir they are with this group of jamhadar soldiers and they have to decide who to give the the drug to uh the name escapes me but i'm sure our listeners have figured out which mm. episode it is but they're stuck on an, an on a planet where they meet the jamhadar but those kinds of storylines especially in the way the jamhadar go even though even toward the end as as the show progresses like uh, and that was one of the benefits that was unique to ds9 is by sticking to a season line storyline as opposed to a to an episode centric story yeah which you know in which you can only talk about something like the mark of gideon only for an episode these guys could do it for three four seasons and it it really stuck with yeah. uh with, with the crew the heroes and us the viewers yeah and the the issue of addiction as an epidemic i think is an extremely extremely good way to to kind of continue this this concept forward and then that does tie into symbiosis as well but um one thing that is still happening and again i'm going local here so any albertan listeners woot woot i guess but um in the first two months of 2021 my province alone recorded 228 opioid related deaths people addicted and that's an insane number right um Edmonton, Calgary, and then uh, a city in the north uh, called Grand Prairie uh, uh, specifically had uh, 55.1 death rates per 100,000 people, which is absolutely insane. And it's an epidemic that predates COVID and it is still taking so many lives right now. And the the way in which the Dominion treats the Jem'Hadar just sort of as something disposable and throwawayable, right? Most of the people who are suffering from opioid addictions um, are what we would call the less dead, right? The people who you don't see very often, the people who um, might be in the reserve force of labor. Um, They don't are able to find work as easily. We understand that addiction is a way to manage um, things that are out of our hands and out of our control. And it's not the best way to do it, but, it's something that happens and it's something that can affect us. And when those, when those needs aren't met, look what happens. Like look what happens to a gem and when they don't get their, uh, when they don't get their Ketrasol white and think about what, what it meant for that one Ketrasol white resistant gem and too. Right. So I think that again, deep space nine did a good job of it because yeah, drugs were an epidemic in that time and they continue to be today. Right now, I mean that the article that I got this from was from the Calgary Herald from April twentieth, right? Like what, a couple of days ago, um, in that respect, like no more than a week, and yeah, like two hundred and twenty-eight deaths in the first two months is terrible. I think COVID is going to stay with us for the rest of our lives, possibly. So, uh, I would really like to see today's Star Trek take on the concept of disease and talk about what it means in today's society. Yeah, some things have changed, some things remain the same. Uh, 
of course we they couldn't have predicted it for season 3 but at least for discovery season 4 like you were saying i hope they go down that route and spend an spend an entire season uh, exploring it because i don't know if it's something they can do either in the section 31 show uh, or even strangely worlds because i believe strangely worlds is going to be more of an episodic yeah tv show from what we've I heard i mean they could cover it episodically right i mean I, i mean that's the other thing too is like i watch star trek to escape and i mean i have i have friends and colleagues and stuff who are say watching stuff like grays like grays anatomy and it's covid and i'm sorry but like i don't want to watch something that i'm dealing with in my real life like that that sort of viscerally and close up cuz like I have a yeah. lot of anxiety around covid. It is affecting my sleep patterns, it's affecting my health, it's affecting my ability to function. Um and so yeah, I mean, those of you who are watching it and enjoying it, hey, what awesome shout out to you, great job. But I like to escape a little bit, so maybe Strange New Worlds is the best place to deal with that. It's something that they can kind of dip in and dip out of. I'll end this episode just with a few final thoughts on uh things that are going on, but to answer to what you were saying, you're right i don't know if people would enjoy watching something that they're already dealing with in their real life in their entertainment that they consume to have fun but i'll tell you man uh people for, for people listening if you are interested please go to tracknews.net i have the great privilege of writing their comic book reviews for them Ooh, yeah. and i'm not saying this just because i wrote it but i go i the opportunity to write love letters to people who make trek comics is just incredible so if not me to support those uh, awesome people at trek news go out and read them but recently i had they had two issues issue 18 and issue 19 of star trek year 5 which were both stories it was a two part story that dealt with the tos crew dealing with a pandemic mm-hmm. on a planet and the weird thing is the writer jim mccann uh, apparently pitched it like a few months before covid even happened so it's very interesting to see how that uh, played out the 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 destiny of it all in a weird way but w- i'm telling you man watching it's so childish and i get it but watching <laughs> uh, watching kirk and spock and mccoy go down and talk about pandemics and how to deal with a pandemic uh, i don't want to spoil too much of it but McCoy does the doctor thing where he says you know what screw this i am going to they go to a planet where there is no hope people are just falling like leaves in and it, it's just really hopeless and mccoy just he just stands up to it in a in a very mccoy like confrontational way mm-hmm. and that just gave me so much hope and it gave me so much power and i know it's just words on a page i know it's something someone drew and something someone wrote and it's all just on a page but just watching that it felt like a message from the beyond uh again to end what i was saying from time and space it it came from across time and space to uh help me get through that day that week so uh i don't know i think i uh, if anybody can find a good balance to give us that kind of hope and optimism it would be somebody who's making a show like discovery or maybe picard i don't know i'm not given up on picard yet i know people enjoy it but it was just uh, uh but uh all that to say it was just it was really good getting to do this episode with you my friend and talking about diseases in general in star trek uh, addressing the state of our hopelessness uh, like like i was telling you earlier it feels like we're all just going through an year long funeral and it just keeps going 
and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. So it's good to at least uh, step away from that long line of bodies that are marching toward the makeshift crematorium and just take a second and feels like we we just drank some Romulan ale and talked about the funny thing that is life yeah. uh, before getting back on that line. But no, it was such a pleasure. Thank you. I don't know if we'll do it part two. Maybe we will. Who knows? But it was just great getting to talk about diseases and uh, plagues and just things that take us down in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, I'll say take care of yourself out there, everybody. And make sure you're taking care of the person next to you because that's the least you can do. And live long and prosper. And onward to Star Society. And remember to support fansets. They're a small business. Use discount code POLYTREX, P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S for 10% off. Polytrex is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For even more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network at trekgeeks.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Yeah.